0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: i have to ask mm. what is your favorite to haunt turkey or white tail man it's one of those deals if you ask me in spring versus the first week in november yeah. it's going to be different yeah, yeah i would really say turkey in the mountains are some of the coolest things ever yeah
2: the first of the whiskey and Whitetail Seawee spotlight episodes where we spent a couple days at Seawee recording with various artists uh business owners entrepreneurs just cool overall cool people sponsors vendors yep and this episode that we're bringing on now is with ryan kirby ryan kirby is an artist we've known him for several years yep we've hunted with him and you'll find out more of that story in this video so thank you for coming along Anything you should, think they should know up front about Ryan before we get started?
3: No, just a great guy. He's been uh, – he's come to Seawee. To this was his eighth, eighth time, uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, this was the first time he had been able to break away from yeah. the ballroom where they have to sort of present and be with their art that they sell throughout the weekend. So uh, for those that don't know, Seawee is filled with both art and entertainment and all sorts of things. Uh, but he is from – he lives up in uh, North Carolina in the Boone area. He's from – Illinois. Illinois. Yep. So uh, great artist, lots of really cool art, uh, and tells great story with,
2: with, a, with a brush and some paint. Yeah. He's, uh, it's hashtag wildly original, and you can find him at com as well as on all social media. And this was a great conversation, and we had a great time talking to him. Yep. So enjoy. Have fun. And today we have a special guest, Ryan Kirby.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Ryan, Ryan is a uh, wildlife. Would you would you call yourself a wildlife artist? is that, yes. is that, is that fair? Yep. Okay. Um, you have a you have a portfolio that goes all the way back to, I believe, doing some uh, corporate stuff with. Was it? Yeah, Winchester, Winchester, Winchester and
1: Browning. Yeah. Um, I actually got my start for working for the Wild Turkey Federation in Edgefield, South Carolina. I worked there for seven years after school as a designer and illustrator. And then launched out on my own doing freelance design work and, and wildlife art. And then that's just kind of grown and taken off. And we've been here at Seaweed for eight years now. Wow. Eight years. Yeah. Eight is, years. It's our
2: first year, and we're super happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's uh, we've come here a lot, like just to come, but yeah, actually being part of the show is, is really cool. Yeah. So uh, just the first one that we're going to put is a bottle and bond, which means it's a minimum of four years old. It's a hunter proof, and it's made by Old Forster's, the Old Forster. 1897 and thank you to cheers sc for donating this stuff to us for the show we're very thankful to have it this is yours that's awesome
1: Dude, you guys gotta be able to hang to do this yeah we this is the last episode so, trust so
2: last <laughs> we're actually going live on the news at 7 so we're like we have to we have been trying to be good all day yeah okay. well,
3: i've been using okay. a, a glass you can't see through so okay. people aren't 100 sure if i'm drinking or not yeah
1: if i've been drinking all day there's no way i'd be making that news appearance well, I, I'm not a huge golfer, but I know guys that go out and if they don't want to drink, when everybody does like the shot on the green, they throw it over their shoulder <laughs> and oh, the yeah. grass, and nobody can tell. <laughs> you could totally do that here. Yeah, yeah you could right. right. if yeah. you really get for sure, know, yeah, absolutely. Want to conserve yourself? Do you
2: I want to see if you smell anything on this? This mm. stands out. Or what does it remind you of? Yeah, does it remind you of anything? Whiskey. Yeah, there you go. That works. That works. This is one of my favorites because it has a kind of great big league chew smell to it. Okay. Yeah. That uh, it's old forest is kind of known for in some of their pores, so it's really strong in this one for some reason. Great big league chew is a great
1: uh, descriptor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You taste it, right? You smell. Yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But that's like the the every man's description of like fine. Connoisseur of anything great big league shoe is yeah, great. Yeah, that's great exactly sermon. yeah, yeah. <laughs> For we try sure. to,
3: so we, you know, there are a lot of whiskey uh podcasts or YouTube channels and they they get really detailed into vanillas and you
1: know,
3: yeah, we we can we do that sometimes, but we, we prefer to let the the taste and the smell like bring us back to places like yeah, grandma's house in the fall or tea ball you know, with great big t- league shoe, yeah, there you go, things like that, there right? you go. and that's. It's just more relatable, I think, to more people because people are like oh, I yeah. don't, I don't get that out of this, but you know, yeah. It, taste and smell is subjective. So what you and mm-hmm. smelling it out of it's going to be different than, and I think art is the same way, right? When you yeah. look at art, someone may see and get take something away from a piece of art that is different than what you might.
1: Totally. So, so I have a question for you,
2: and this could so, backfire on the question, but I'm just going to shoot in the dark and say it. Okay. Do we look familiar to you?
1: Oh yeah. I remember we talked about Joe Rogan at Tines and Tusks. Okay, all right. I know uh, we didn't no. know if you'd remember. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. No, but I mean that was a long time ago. Yeah, it, it was. was years ago. I didn't connect the dots till after we started like, you know, getting back hitting back and forth. Right. And uh but yeah, I remember that night at uh Tines and Tusks. <laughs> so, uh, I wasn't sure if you would, With, yeah, Kyle, with Kyle and Kyle. Eller. Yeah. yeah. And I saw I saw Eller last night and oh, talked you? about it. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Oh nice, yeah. 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 I yeah. wasn't
2: sure I told him. I was like, I, I didn't mention anything in the text, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see if
1: yeah. <laughs> he remembers. Well, because you guys, I mean, you guys knew that Joe Rogan was going to change the world before he changed the world. Yeah, we said that. That was <laughs> and, how many years ago? That I don't know. Five years it ago? It was at least five years ago. Yeah. And and I had, obviously I knew who Joe Rogan was. I didn't listen to the podcast at that point, And now he's Joe yeah. Rogan.
2: Yeah. Because we had a podcast back then with a different, a different podcast. It wasn't this one, but yeah. But we were like, yeah, this it's like podcasting yeah, it was, is going to be the thing. It was actually yeah. an
3: episode of that podcast that we named the episode Whiskey and Whitetails. And our yeah. our third kind of silent business partner was like, that name is a company. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that is what you guys need to double down on. He's like, if you guys don't do it, I'm going to take the money and I'm going to, I'm going to trademark it and I'm going to do it myself. So we're like, all right,
2: well, <laughs> There's a down, pump pump a, little bit. <laughs> like,
3: a year and a half later, here we are. So that's awesome. It's uh, yeah. We, when we. They when they asked us to come do this, and they asked us like, we'd like you to do some coverage with your podcast of guests, artists, and and anybody you know who's here. We we're like, well, Ryan needs to be at the top of that list yeah. if we can make that happen. Yeah. Um, and we're glad you did, dude, especially knowing that you've been here eight times and not been out of that ballroom.
1: Yeah, would they really want us to be there with our art a lot? Yeah, but like I said, we've got an assistant in town. She's kind of man That's and good. Man. And honestly, I I love getting outside of it because. Um, you know, Seaweed is is so much bigger than just the art. Like, they, sure. they kind of make that the centerpiece with all the, the advertising and branding and materials and stuff. But there's something here for everybody. Sure. And this is this is super cool. I kind of wish, you know, I could come down here and hang out the whole time. The way
2: I've always looked at it is like the gala where everybody's wearing a tuxedo. Yeah. That is your side. That's what you do. And then we're just the party animals over here (laughs) hanging out. We're just having a good time. Everybody's drinking and walking around the sunshine. And uh, it's the two different sides of seaweed. And then there's the night side of seaweed. Yeah. That if you have never experienced, it is. I think
3: the night side is when all the folks that spend all day looking, you know, (laughs) interested in art and those that were here, they all somehow find themselves together at one place. Yeah. And it's a good time.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm more cut for the mold here. I mean, that's the first time I've put real pants on in months is <laughs> yeah. for that black tie gala. you know? That's funny. And uh, and I bought a tux. We, we would come every year and rent a tux, and finally Kim and I are like, just need to buy a tux. Just buy one. Just yeah. buy one, you know? And I'm a dude. I don't really care. Kim's gets a new dress every year and all that kind of stuff. But this year, man, we've got a five- and a two-year-old, and I've, like, that's finished right. some plates of mac and cheese for the kids, and I, like, felt it in the vest. Yeah. It's like Kim... I can feel my heartbeat
3: in this. Mess. I tell you what, <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> like,
3: I think it, I think I have gained more weight as a dad from finishing my kids' food than anything. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I can finish off a pot of mac and cheese like it's my job. I try not to eat it because I, I will.
2: I'm the same way. It's I hard. Have man. Kids though, so it's. If yeah. I'm sitting home eating a box of mac and cheese, mac and look and a little some, different, you know? some, di-
3: some dinosaur chicken nuggets. No oh, dinosaur, gonna judge you. Oh yeah.
2: Oh sure. yeah, man. <laughs> Would you see that? I did a picture once. I had a uh, f- uh, champagne like flute glass, and it was mac and cheese, and I had cut a dinosaur <laughs> chicken nugget and put it on as a garnish. That's amazing. Yeah, we I made dinner for my wife that way one night. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man, it was fun. Oh, so, you still cool. drawing
2: a, a painting a day, a picture a day? A Man, sketch I've, a day.
1: I've kind of sloughed off on that. We, we bought a new place. We bought eight and a half acres outside of town. Nice. Um, sold our house and my other studio and went all in on that place. And we, we had a 4,000 square foot building. Um, the first guy I built, worked, did NASCAR body work on it. So, it's like a legit, it's got air compressors throughout wow. the whole thing. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a legit shop. Um, the second guy had an airplane in it, so it's big, you know, and it's oh, and they were all, you know, gearhead. So it's all tricked out and everything. What we did is took half of that, renovated it. You know, we did tongue and groove ceilings and sheetrock and HVAC and electrical. And uh, that's my office gallery, studio and inventory where we ship prints. From. I saw a uh,
3: video on on, on I think it was Instagram. Uh, you guys got a delivery of boxes and you're having to haul them yeah up and down a big hill is that the new place
1: that's the new place and it's still it's kind of tucked away in the mountains the roads are kind of tight and most of our inventory comes in freight so it comes in on an 18-wheeler yeah and we can't quite get an (laughs) 18-wheeler up there so what we do is they get fairly close and then we go and and drive my truck Mm -hmm. you know somebody else's truck and back it up and meet them in a you know it's kind of weird because we show up at one of their other deliveries yeah yeah we're like hijacking stuff you know and uh we put it in our truck and then drive it up. Cool. So, but it's great because like once we get there, you can just back the truck right in and unload it. Yeah, um, yeah. it sets up really well. But the renovations were several months, you sure. know, just that whole transition and getting settled in. I, I honestly used to sketch. um I'm, I'm a tequila fan too, sure. So I would yeah. I would literally sketch with a tequila drink after the kids go to bed. Cool. And that, I got in that rhythm, and yeah. I've just gotten out of that rhythm and had to come awesome. back in.
3: We have a uh, one of the products we sell is our, our cocktail smoker kit. Oh, yeah? We have a couple of folks that are uh, actually love smoking tequila. They'll smoke their glass and add really? a tequila into it. And hey, we'll Hey have to send you home with a kit and you can you can
2: try it out. That'd be house. awesome. Yeah. It's one of the reasons we've been getting more into. I've been getting more into tequila is because someone told me about that and I was like, yeah. well, now I have to try it. You know, yeah. you have tried it and <laughs> and it's I've really gotten an appreciation for tequila lately, but. So, you would sketch, you would drink a tequila and then sketch
1: the bottle of tequila? Or no, no, no. I would sketch a deer. <laughs> I was like, let me buy one of those. No. And to be honest with you, like, you know, it sounds, I don't know, it is what it is, but like, I feel like I would sketch better if I just kind of relax and unwind, yeah. have a little bit of a sure. drink. And, and um, you know, you just you just approach things differently. You're not all uptight throughout the day. And all like yeah, you, you get stuff. that
2: artistic flow running through you with yeah. the juice in it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can yeah. definitely see that so you do you, so the i want to talk about the growth and white whitetail deer the yeah. when it was so surreal sitting on my couch getting an email from you and john at the same time and i'm like i read it and then i look around my room and i go well i got a seaweed painting from 1986 over here and then yeah. behind me i have your growth and white whitetail deer one of the, the questions we were asked to ask you mm-hmm. is where were the sample pulled from for those deer the sample of the sketches yeah the the body size and the, the way mm-hmm. you've moved through it where what was the inspiration for yeah. those
3: as, as well, an a geographical
2: location
1: i'll go a little bit longer Do story it. and how it all, all happened. so you, you know, know what a what lot is. of people ask about creative process and everything and i tell people it's just like man it, you just figure it out as you go a lot <laughs> and and i'm i'm just a farm kid and i'm wired to just start plowing the field you know yeah. i don't really i don't plan a whole lot i just kind of fly the air, fix the airplane as we're flying, you know? And, um, there's a, a company that licenses my work that handles the tractor supply stuff. Okay. And we were meeting them in High Point, North Carolina at the furniture show. And so we're going through there and we're touring everything and they have art and decor from all over the world. I mean, there's, there's Chinese guys in suits picking stuff out. It's wow. kind of a big deal. But we're going through, and I noticed um, it was a butterfly chart. It was like a, a, a chart of butterflies across North America. Okay. And I thought, man, it'd be cool to do that for waterfowl. And so the first project we did was the waterfowl, right. the flyways. The flyways, yeah. And so I just, I literally went through and made a list, and I had, um, had an MBA kid that was working for me at the time right out of school, and he went through and worked with DU on some of the species and stuff. And so anyway, I had a whole, like a Microsoft Word list. And I went and I sketched three to four a day for like two months. Wow. And we did the, the, the Atlantic fly ones. And I hired out a designer to lay it out for me while I was sketching. We got that one done. And I was like, man, we still have, you know, we still have some time before we have to go to press on this thing. I wonder if we could do one for deer? Like, what could we do that's cool for deer? What's, what are people into? Yeah. And the, the aging, the deer is the big thing. Um, so I started working on that. And I worked with NDA a ton on that kip adams and matt ross were like clutch for me on that so i went through and you know i I grew up in the midwest um i knew deer understood deer i know deer body sizes are are all over the map everywhere so i started really googling what i did is i googled different photos of deer at different ages and then i would take parts and pieces of all the photos and put them together and then i would do a sketch and the advantage is you know, you've seen a lot of the the, uh, the deer aging charts, but they're taken from a photo. Right. And one deer's from South Carolina. Yeah. And the, the the poses are all over the map. It's different deer. Right. And the advantage of, of drawing it is that we could actually do the same pose that showed the tarsal glands yep. that showed the brisket that showed the head and neck at the same angle like an apples to apples comparison. So really the actual samples were taken. It's kind of a Photoshop collage, if okay. you will. Um, sketched all the art and I presented it to Kip and Madam Kip and Madam Kip and Adam and I've had one of these things and I'm already like <laughs> slurring words here. you got one more left <laughs> so I presented it to Kip and Adam and and a few other um, experts and biologists and stuff in the, in the white tailed deer uh, realm and you know some of them were like yeah that that the butt needs shaved off on that year and a half or too many ribs showing this and that and the other yeah. and Kip and Matt were kind of the final sign-off. Like, we okay. went through several rounds on that stuff. Very cool. It's more of a Midwest deer body, I would say. Um, obviously, you know, we're in the mountains of North Carolina, and a five-and-a-half-er looks way different yeah. than a corn-fed whitetail from For the sure. Midwest. sure, 100%. Yeah. But the thing that we had to deal with is, like, you know, you're, you, you have to play the averages overall, like most of the deer's range. And that's a lot of what those guys do at the NDA when they said, when they do biological studies, yeah, there's always going to be outliers here and there. but we got to play the averages. Right. But those guys blew my mind on some of the stuff. And, and and I researched it myself, read a bunch of books, all kinds of stuff. And even after I thought I knew it quite a bit, they blew my mind. Like, um, for yeah. example, um, year and a halfers combined. Year and a halfers basically breed like a third of the dose. Year and a halfers and two and a halfers combined. Wow. So all this stuff we talk about, you know, culling deer, shooting the big, fat, old eight-pointer so he's not breeding yeah. your does, well, dude, a year and a half, that you have no idea what he's going to turn out to be, he breeds a third of your does, yeah. like, you really, that you that have actually, to manage overall, you can't really manage yeah, for
3: We just deer. talked with the uh, South Regional Director, director for, for, the for NDA, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how uh, managing your herd and the health of the herd from an early age has, plays a huge part in the success. Yeah. Right. And so if, yeah. if you have a year and a half year old, that's not healthy or several that aren't healthy and they're, and they're, they're not breeding yeah, well or not, you know what I mean? Or they're
2: overpopulating
3: with their terrible genes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or just not healthy enough to where even the doe aren't healthy enough to carry two and three fawns. And they're only having one. Yep. And yet you introduce predators into that scenario and you have a, a whitetail population. that's not going to thrive very well. Um, Anyways, well, sorry. and
1: even, you <laughs> right. know, even even the does, the does contribute half the genes and you don't know what, what kind of genetics are in the does. Right. And so it, it goes back, you know, I worked at the Turkey Federation for seven years and I hung out with the biologists and you learn a lot to manage, manage the herd, manage the habitat and mm-hmm. let the details kind of take care of themselves. You're yeah. never going to be able to micromanage nature, right. um, you know. You know, everybody's real hard on the predators. We want to trap, we want to get rid of them. But the key is you need to have nesting habitat. And if you have plenty of nesting habitat, it'll balance out. But if you don't have nesting habitat, and then you have predators, right? Look out! They need a
3: sanctuary, a place to go where they're safe and they know they're safe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Do you, so
3: in, do you prefer to draw? Like, do you have an animal that you just gravitate to that you'd like to draw more than others,
1: or? Yeah, d- deer are, are super easy. They just produce a lot of poses. There's a lot of clean lines. Super easy. You um, see me draw a deer, and you draw deer. I just well. imagining
2: me drawing a deer. <laughs> yeah, super easy. Square and some things on its
1: head. <laughs> <laughs> Turkeys are tough, man, because yeah. like it, you have to you have to play that. Am I going to really sketch every feather? But it's not going to look great if you don't sketch every feather. Right? So yeah. You have to play that. Elk are pretty good. Any any animal that does dynamic sort of poses, yeah, um, it helps a lot. The,
3: that the the white tail painting you did of um, it's a danger.
1: Oh yeah. Juries, uh,
3: juries, yeah, yeah. Man, I love that that pose that deer is in. Yeah. Just, it, yeah, man, it's great. I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about. His his back legs are squatted, right? Or is it? Yeah, oh, yeah he's yeah. making a scrape. He's got yeah, doing a scrape. Yeah, a yeah, huge... scrape, oh. yeah. it was.
1: Um, yeah, and if you notice some of the details on that painting, like they they moved in that muddy blind. I don't know if you saw the full episode, but I did. Yeah, Mark. I mean, those guys. It's really cool. They're tremendous. You they can know explain it you,
3: for people who haven't. You know.
1: Well, yeah. So um, what happened was they wanted to surprise Mark with a painting of his largest deer. It was a two hundred and seventeen inch whitetail in Iowa, and Mark is just i could go on and on about the juries like those guys are as real as it gets they work harder than anybody i know Uh and every they have full-time jobs outside of deer hunting you know i mean they yeah you know terry owns a construction company and works his tail off anyway they they everything they have they've worked for and and mark never stops thinking his mind is always going and he had moved in a muddy uh, blind to kill that deer specifically. So okay. part of the, they wanted me to, um, to to commemorate that deer with an original oil painting. So part of it is you can see the muddy blind in the background. You can see a lot of the limbs that they cut around the camera. Okay. Um, Matt, his son gave yeah. me trail camera photos of danger. Oh, they oh, had oh. a danger walking through a scrape in the camera on an hour before they shot him. Okay. So the painting that I did is Danger stopping in that scrape on his way to the blind, essentially. That's cool. Oh, uh, that's cool. I didn't know the backstory. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I didn't know the
3: backstory either. Like, I, well, I mean, I, I watched the, the film, but I didn't pay attention to those little details you were describing yeah. that were a part of the process. So yeah. when he sees that picture, he sees the whole journey full circle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's and really even, cool. I even included some of the little saplings they cut, like yeah. the stumps of them in the ground to help tell the story oh, wow. behind it so and then as far as the photo i, I bought the reference photo off of a, a photographer that had a great scrape pose pose and then we took um we took the antlers from mark's deer i think they <laughs> took photos and sent them to me of the rack it hadn't even been mounted yet if i remember right um took some photos of the deer and uh and then i photoshopped the rack onto that deer and then painted from the scene that's cool and the okay.
2: I used to know, but when you got started, because you you went to App State, or your wife went. My wife went. Yeah, my wife, wife went to App State. She was the guidance. Was she like a, she's like the MBA program director. Yeah. yeah, And So she, one of the people that she was guiding towards what they should do in their life is actually my stepbrother. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like I've known about Kim forever. It was the first time I met oh, her, oh yeah, very cool. <clears throat> but it's it's weird how many odd connections you can have yeah, with between the,
3: the Livingston's and then Kyle yeah. and
2: Eller. And then that it's, it's, it's like it's everything it's this world. weekend is basically at the hands of two people. Everything that yeah. we've done this weekend is pretty crazy. Yeah,
3: it's wild. So
1: did you know that Livingston has the original sketches for the, the growth and maturity? Mm-hmm. No. Did does. you know that? No. Oh yeah. He's I an OG it. man. There so, is. so when, when we were coming down to the show later that year, um, I framed a bunch of the sketches from that. So I had uh, the geese, the diving ducks and dabbling ducks in mm-hmm. separate frames and we sold those and then i sold the series of the original sketches of growth and maturity gotcha and livingston bought them i did he has know that all in a row i remember
2: somebody yeah. no, i won't get into that part of it i remember there was an issue with somebody about it and um but yeah my minute but yeah i did know that actually i just kind of forgot that's what it was yeah yeah, yeah. that's really cool the that painting man this i'm not a person that buys stuff like painting drawing i'm not a person that buys stuff like that i just mm-hmm. don't my wife will see stuff and pick it up. But that, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I've never seen exactly how you said, how it's laid out in that way with, and I was like, not only could I learn from this, but I'll just have a good time reading it. And yeah. I still do it all the time, yeah. all the time. Cause it's right above my couch and I'll just sit there and look at it and read and I'll notice something that I didn't notice before. Yeah. There's just a lot of detail it's, to it.
1: It's very in depth. I mean, it was literally months of research and, you know, people, a lot of people don't realize so we'll lay it out, and I had a designer paid a designer to lay it out. Even though I am a graphic designer, I wanted a different look for it, you know. So I paid for a fresh perspective there. Yeah, we'll lay out the roughs. We'll we'll go back and forth, forth on the information, lay out the information. You may revise it, I don't know, seven, eight, ten times before wow. it goes to press. Uh, then we send the files off to press. They'll ship proofs to us. We'll look at it again maybe revise them again, and then I'll drive to Virginia, which is about a five-hour drive for us. And on the day of press, I'll sit there and approve them and proof everything on press. And then as soon as I sign off, they print. And then what they actually do is they burn plates. So they have metal plates that the the the, the, uh, the artist burned into. Wow. And then they save those plates. And if we ever want to do another press run, they pull the plates out of press and then them up again. If you so, how do you upload that? Is that a scan? You scan your original? No, sketch? everything is late. Yeah, I scan the sketches and then the art files are laid out okay. in InDesign. And then we submit the InDesign files to the printer. I gotcha. But what you have to do is at some point, you know, that thing is burned into a, a, a plate, a metal plate. Yeah. And so when I drive to Richmond, we're basically just proofing for color. Like, ah, this is a little bit too red. Pull some of that back. It's a little bit too dark. Let's pull some of that back but to change one word is like two thousand dollars i'm sure because oh they have God. to they throw the plate? plates away yeah and they have to reburn them you know so oh, it's, so you have you want to avoid that so you i mean and it goes it's this way with all my projects by the time they hit the the public i've looked at them so many times i almost <laughs> don't want to look at them anymore. yeah you know? it's yeah. kind of like a book with an sure. author they've read it so many times they can't read yeah well i mean <laughs> we've
3: done it on a smaller scale editing videos or we're <laughs> we edit these podcasts if we have one that's particularly challenging because of background noise or whatever by the time you get to
2: the end of it yeah it's like just i'm sick of it like i've ruined songs <laughs> like songs that i really like and i put them to a video by the time i've finished the video i've listened to that song 500 times over four days or six or a week or whatever and it's yeah like now that song i used to love the song "Acts" by steel woods yeah and i made a TikTok it ruined the song every time it comes on i change it i've heard it too much Like, <laughs> and that's one thing about being creative is uh is it you can kind of ruin your own stuff and get to a point where you're not happy with it but yeah i think i
1: don't think you're not happy with your with your stuff i'm just saying I well i mean i'm my own worst critic i'll I say always yeah. all the time yep, same it with it. i'm uh I, the the guy across from me is an abstract artist at seaweed and he does classes like on Composition of just abstract shapes and everything, and he does an online class. So I'm oh, gonna wow. sign up for
0: it just yeah. for
1: some fresh ideas, and sure. perspective, and That's cool. learn something from him. So, what's the next project you're working on? So right now we are uh, one of my biggest clients is Winchester Ammo, and we're gonna be doing a lot of uh, package design with them. So I'm working on a lot of new new whitetails, elk. Uh, just finished a, a coyote piece that'll go on a varmint package. And uh, we have a lot going on with them. Oh, oh that's uh,
2: for people that don't know the Winchester, the white Winchester box that has like the deer jumping through the, what are those? The tall grass kind of. Yeah. Uh, that that's his art. That's what he drew for. Yeah. That for Winchester. that
1: was a. Lo- I've done a lot of uh, design work for them, like yeah. illustration work, digital mm-hmm. stuff. But this will actually have like oil paintings. Oh yeah. It. Oh wow. That's cool. Be awesome.
2: So how how
3: challenging is it dealing with a corporate client? Because we, we
1: our, our day jobs are in kind
3: of the corporate world, and yeah. you know. It can take weeks and you know multiple meetings to make get a single decision made because everybody feels like they need to justify their job by having an opinion.
1: Yeah. On you know. You, yeah. See look can, on your face. You know. <laughs> about. It, it can take a lot. Yeah. What, what I have learned though, and it's kind of what we did when, when I would do outdoor life covers, is they want to know what that thing is going to look like. Yeah. Like I don't just you know everybody thinks I have the freedom to just walk into my studio, just throw paint around wherever yeah. I want. You know, and there's times when I do. Sure. Um, but for this kind of stuff, a lot of the corporate clients, they want to know what it's going to look like before they turn me loose on you. And to, to your point, um, you got to get some, a lot of that, you got to get buy in from them yeah, yeah. beforehand. So, like for this coyote, I submitted 14 different poses of really? different wow. ideas, different coyotes, and I'll kind of I'll Photoshop them up. And a lot of the, the wildlife I paint anyway is reference photos that I'll Photoshop together um like I don't like the angle of the head so I'll take a different year's head on that sure so I think I submitted 14 different versions of a coyote and coyote didn't stand all that differently yeah. for everything <laughs> yeah. but but you can the the advantage is you can throw that on a box and put a logo on top of it Yeah. and within reason you can get 90% of what the painting's going to look like right yeah obviously it will take on a little bit of a life of its own and I feel like the paintings turn out better than a photo would anyway Definitely. but to, to get buy-in on that kind of stuff before I spend 50 hours in front of an ESOL and then, you know, the client changes their mind. That helps a lot. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm not a, pa- a
3: painter, but... Uh, no? No, I'm not. If you didn't know. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in system design, like uh-huh. computer, like IT uh-huh. system design, and uh, my capstone project to graduate, we had to create a information system for a small business. Okay. What a nightmare to have a customer tell you this is what I want, and then you give them exactly what they ask for. But then, the, what I learned was, and what the that professor eventually told us is that the the goal of this exercise is to teach you that the customer does not know what the customer wants. Yeah, they think they do, but you have to learn how to ask the right questions and coax yep. out of them the information you need, and I, I to give them what they really want. And I, I can't imagine it's any different for painting, yep. especially when you when you're working with something like a a cover of a magazine. Yeah. Because they,
1: they're they going to put their logo and other stuff on yep. top of it, right? And we even choose the pose of the animal around. So we either go with a really light or a really dark background. Mm-hmm. Um, very simple. And we'll choose, like, you know, the deer needs to lean to the right so we can put cover lines top left. Yeah, that's yeah. That's pretty standard practice. But your professor was spot on because yeah. it, my favorite professors in college, I studied graphic design, were the ones that had a day job and then they taught a night class. Because, because they the same, haven't been in... Yeah academia where no one changes their mind or yep. the contract changes and people that work in the real world like that's a really exactly yeah, it really is yeah
3: i had i had teachers that were like look the book wants me to tell you this so that's what i'm going to tell you but now let's have a 30 minute conversation about what it's like in the real world and yeah. th- those are the most valuable classes yeah, yeah. for sure um now i watch I, I, we both watch a lot of your social media cool mm-hmm. stuff you do with uh, with your little guy and i have to ask
1: <clears throat> what is your favorite to haunt turkey or whitetail Man, it's one of those <laughs> deals. If you ask me in spring versus the first week in November, yeah. it's going to be different. Yeah, yeah. I would really say turkey in the mountains are some of the coolest things ever. Yeah. Like gonna- they really, there's epic scenery. It's just, it's something, you know, I grew up a flatlander and I mm-hmm. didn't experience that. Turkeys in the mountains are amazing. And I really, really love spring. Um, but I'd say whitetails in the fall are absolutely number two yeah. w- during the rut yeah anyway. oh for sure um you know and we have a lot going on with career we got two little kids yeah. and all that kind of stuff so i don't hunt as much as i used to uh but i you know i'll try to carve out two weeks in the midwest and then a few times around in yeah. North Carolina. but with a little guy coming up all that's going to change
3: sure yeah. yeah he's getting ready to hunt some uh some turkeys for it'll be your yeah, first, first time i've yeah, never been tur-
1: i've whitetail hunting my whole life never been turkey hunting i,
2: I just didn't mm. i've never been a fan of like snakes in the spring like i just yeah, don't want to. I because I used to hunt real hard and then then it's January February and then it's, you start fishing, yep. right? And it's like you want me to go sit in the woods like that big snake you found out uh in ridgeville yeah. like did, do i want to go sit on a log and have that monster creep around so i've just
3: never go gotten tr- into go it drink beers on a boat with a line in the water yeah go drink beers <laughs> yeah. on a
1: boat yeah do you still have that picture that snake we talked about that last night did i you? pulled it up off just off to text the actual pictures yeah to send us. it to me yeah, we'll, put it, we'll in put, here. put it on the uh, on
3: the video tell yeah. us that story you were sitting so, there on a log so
1: mike and kyle had never killed a turkey and they wanted me to come down and just kind of take them, show them the ropes and everything. And it, I think that was like the first year I'd ever been on, on tons of tusks out there. So we get set up, and it was really cold that morning. I mean, it was like, I think it was 28 when we woke wow. up, which is real unseasonably That's cold for, down cold down for yeah, you guys. It is. And, you know, we went out. Turkeys weren't gobbling. We ended up sitting. And and with with those guys, I kind of wanted to uh, sit behind them so I could see what was what was going on. Um, and, and call and, and you know, kind of be able to see everything if I needed to. So they each sat on a tree, a, a tree trunk, and then I stepped back, and the only thing I could find to lean against was a log laying on the ground. Yeah. We sit there for an hour, and after we get up decide to move, and I go to take a leak, and I literally walk two steps over, and I look down, and it was like, it was like those seeing eye puzzles where you have to stare at it for a while before the, the little vision yeah, yeah, comes yeah. clear. But yeah. Those things were popular back in like early, yeah. right? like in the 90s something. Like to make your eyes crossed or yeah. uh, make
3: them blurry. And yes. then trying to get, it to
1: come, yeah, yeah. And I'm focusing and I'm like, is that what I think it is? And then I see the, the pattern coiled up. And I'll, I'll, I took pictures of it before we did anything with it. But that snake, I don't know, I want to say he was – five and a half feet long, something like that. And just, you know, well bigger than your forearm. I mean, depending on yeah. who, what kind of a dude you are, but um, probably about as big around as your calf. And you know, pick, yeah, it was huge.
2: Yeah, I remember. The picture you have, you were holding it up like this, and it was almost touching the ground on both sides. Yeah, yeah. and it was so
1: sluggish because it was so, so cold out. yeah. But it made me think, I'm an idiot for sitting up against that log like that and not, like, looking around. Yeah, yeah. And <clears> – <throat> You know, if it would have been 60 degrees and You'd that have been thing bitten. decides, like, he wants to slither around, I mean, I'd have been bit and didn't even know he was there. Yep. You yeah. Know? It freaked me out, man, because I don't like snakes. When they
3: got that property, I joined—I I became a member of the
1: year after they got the property. And the
3: first year, they spent probably, I don't know, all of July and most of August clearing roads because it had been neglected for quite some time. And they killed multiple that were that size. Did they really? Uh, yeah. Copperheads as well. Not quite yeah. as big, but still just— and you can still go back where Livingston hunts. I don't know if you've been yep. back at uh, the swamp part of the property. Okay. It's real swampy. Yep. Uh, you can't you can't look in that direction without having five or six
2: cottonmouths in view. They're everywhere. You yep. may not
3: know that they're in your view, but they're yep. there.
2: You can That's see them in the crazy. water. You can see the water moving. You look down and you just see this head above it, and it's just... But they get in the trees is what bothers oh, me. Yeah. So you're you're looking hard. on the ground and then not realizing that they're wrapped up in the trees and they'll just drop down out of the tree. You know, it's hard pass. Well I read <laughs> a turkey
1: a hunt book one time about a guy, I think he was in North Florida, and he raised a group of turkeys that got the nest got mowed over. Okay. And so he was a biologist and I can't remember the name of the book, but he he, he incubated them mm-hmm. and then he they imprinted. So like oh, yeah. you know how whether they do with like the yeah. first thing they see when they hatch and they think is their mother. I think your mom, yeah. So he he raised these turkeys and they would like walk around like he was the mom. And he they got to be poults and he would, um, you know, he'd walk them through the swamps and everything and walk around. Them. And the thing that he said is, you know, they still have all those those natural instincts. Sure. They would, every time they saw a snake, they would start chirping and communicating with each other and freaking out. And he's like, I walk these woods every single day of my life. And never saw never hardly noticed any snakes. Them. and then i walk with these poles, and they see them everywhere and it's like <laughs> how many freaking snakes are out yeah, there that yeah. we don't ever see and that gives me the willies so I, I i had an
3: encounter with a snake in a tree stand once and it was cold and it had, it was like hibernating i guess in a, in a hole and it just made me wonder like how many times have i been in tree stands in in the woods especially in the early morning when it's dark you know or, or late in the evening when you're getting and i have have, have i been within feet of a snake and not yeah. not knowing, about, especially knowing that water moccasins can get into trees, man. I...
2: <laughs> it's a, it's one of the things you just got to write it off. It's yeah, like just gotta it happens. It happens. Not think about it. Yeah, like I've fit. been hit by a snake on with snake boots and it really? wrapped around my leg after it bit me, and that to me was the most scariest thing because you... I, it got stuck and it okay. just as soon as it hit, I like guess its fangs got caught in the boot, and I was out in Francis Marion, and it was I think it was a cane break, but before I could really. Because I'm thinking, what do I do? So I have my bow, and I was trying to hit it with the bow, and it just took off.
1: So it let go itself and yeah. took off.
2: I think it just got hung up, maybe. I don't know how. I but don't know. Maybe like lower teeth. I have no idea. But it, it struck and it just wrapped around my leg, walking through the walking through. You, have you been out there, in Francis Marion? That's freaky. It's like yeah. waist high that brush stuff that you walk through. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't know what it was at first, and then I felt it smack in my leg, and I looked down. I know it wasn't a rattle because I didn't hear it rattle, but yeah, I'm good.
1: Mm. Yeah, so no
2: that's why I'm having turkey hunt for it.
1: <laughs> well, and that's honestly that's one reason I love the mountains up there is we don't have yeah. any poisonous snakes. Well, that's, that's where he I'm going he's I'm going. I'm going to Kentucky yeah. to uh, turkey hunt in April.
2: Yep. So I'm looking forward to that It'll be my first time. We're at Kentucky, Mckee, it's, uh, Jackson County, okay. Dana Boone National Forest. Okay. As uh, we have a friend that's got some property out there, and we're going up yeah. for their um, executive bourbon steward class. Yep. And uh, it's Easter weekend, so he's got to come home. And he was like, "Yeah, come on down. We'll go turkey hunting." So
1: that's awesome.
2: See what I can find. We sell turkey calls, so I'm going to bring one of our turkey calls and, and see if I can get it done. Yep, yeah. my first time out. I'm sure I can. He has turkeys everywhere. That's kind of a perfect yeah. podcast for you. Isn't it? Yeah. We saw yeah.
3: we, we saw a lot of turkeys there during deer season. Yeah, that's the way it always is. Yeah, yeah. I, I see all the turkey in deer season, and then as soon as spring comes around, mm-hmm. they disappear.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where do you hunt out there? Well, we, we can hunt out the back door now yeah. where we live nice. now. Um, Smart. So we've got quite a few spots out there. I may go home. We have, like I said, we, we bought a couple farms in Illinois and I typically try to make a March trip up and yep. we do a lot of habitat work and stuff like that. We might bump that back and do a combo turkey and work trip. Cool. That's but, what I would do for sure. Try and yeah. partner both between. Yeah. yeah. So where you're
2: in North Carolina still.
1: Yep. We're in yeah. Boone. Oh, you're in Boone.
2: You didn't leave App. Okay.
1: Nope. Nope. We, we, we're probably 15 minutes outside of town now, Okay. we were right on the edge of the city limits before. Okay. So I remember you were up there for a while, but I didn't know if, if that's where you, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Cause
2: you said earlier that you guys just moved outside of town.
1: Yeah. 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 That's no, a cool area. It, it, we're pretty well settled and Kim worked, Kim went back to work at App State. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great place. It's a great place to raise kids. Oh, for sure. We've got a really yeah. solid group of friends, you know. We're we're at the lake on pontoon boats over the weekend, and I'll we'll have campers together and stuff like that. So oh yeah,
3: that makes raising a world of the difference. kids
1: up together. Yeah, that's good. So
3: that's yeah. good. They they may not
1: understand it now. When they get older, they'll they'll oh, look no. back and they'll appreciate it for sure. Little turds are spoiled, man. Yeah. They have no idea how good they have it, but yeah, they'll find out.
3: Later. That's our job, right? That's the way I think about. It. I think it's. I always think it's my job to make sure my kids had it a little bit better than me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I had it a little bit better than my old man. So I already poured you one, but I'll pour you another one, please. That was the same. It was the. What did you think about that one? That one's a little it. bit different. This one's a rye. It's an Indiana rye. It's a new thing they just came out with last year. It's its own genre.
1: Like there's rules in order to be an Indiana rye.
3: Yeah, so if you don't meet that criteria, you cannot call yourself an Indiana
1: rye. I did a. Uh, I watched a documentary on bourbon one time and realized that the the levels of corn and rye and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff yep. they're I didn't know it was, it was like federally regulated. Yeah, it's called it's, the ABCs
2: of bourbon. It's got to be um, yeah. 51% corn has to be made in America. Everybody yeah. thinks it has to be made in Kentucky, but it's got to be made in America. So They put in a brand new charred oak barrel. Mm-hmm. They have an entry proof that you can't exceed. They have a bottling proof that you can't go below. Um, yeah, But yeah, they, they. it's basically the exact same rules for this, for the Indiana rye. So these are also put in brand new charred oak barrels, which gives them that bourbon kind of finish to it, but it smells more floral
1: like a rye would. Yep, yeah. I smelled like caramel. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, lots of that. So, how many of these have you guys tried? Oh jeez. Like literally tried. how many how many brands have you guys sampled a bottle?
2: I personally have maybe 250 open bottles at my house, and then it's crazy. A lot more than that. And then tried, I don't know. We've probably I mean, there's no way you could try it all, yeah. but more than likely if you name it, we've tried it. Yeah. I mean, there's just it's the, the stuff that we haven't tried would be the stuff that's really small. Yeah, small uh, craft distilleries, craft distilleries that maybe
3: you can only get in certain states. Like this okay. is a
2: craft distillery; they don't sell this here. You have to go okay. to Indiana to get this. Yeah. Uh,
3: if we had to pick a oh. number, I would say we're individual specific whiskeys. We've probably we're probably close to
1: the five hundred. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Wow, it's hard to say. A lot. I went to the ATA show in Louisville, and they have a bourbon bar yeah. on there in their little main strip, and it's all bourbons. Yep. Was it? Do you remember the name of it? I want to say it was the Bourbon Bar. Like I really don't know. Was what it
2: House it was. of Bourbon? Could have been because uh, that we, there's one in Lexington as well that is um, it's pretty cool. We know the guys that own it. Yeah, it's a cool spot. They have a lot of stuff. They have a lot of antique stuff in there too that you can't get to the places. That you can try. You can't buy it.
1: But. Yeah. What's but yeah. your favorite?
3: <laughs> it's tough, man. Just like just like I asked you whether you prefer to <laughs> like pick a week yeah. and it's probably something different. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. it's one of those things, kind of like. Um, I don't like anything in life, you, you find a, one or a couple that you really like, and you kind of stick to those for a while and you really drink the hell out of them. And then you're like, eh. yeah. have, you go back to something you haven't tried in a while and you're like, God, I forgot how good this was. Or I hated yeah. that last time I tried it. Let me try it now. And it turns out it's not bad after it's had some time to breathe and open up a little bit. But yeah. I mean, he and I both kind of have different tastes than, uh, and preferences when it comes to Bourbons or whiskeys that most people like—you're you, going to hear a lot of people say things like Blantons or Buffalo yeah, Trace. Yeah, we don't—we
2: stay away from that. This I is, would too i
3: will take a bottle of Evan Williams bottled and bond yeah. over anything. It's twenty-seven dollar really?
2: bottle. Wild Turkey One Hundred and One. Wild Turkey One Hundred and One. Gun to my head. Wild Turkey One Hundred and One is my favorite. Really? Yeah. Yep. I just, it's just—it's—it's not—it's not only because of the taste and how good it is. It's the fact that for instance, Bud Light. I used to drink a lot of craft beer. And then I got tired of spending $9 for a craft beer and I hate it. Yeah. You know, so I was like, you know what? What tastes good? Bud Light in a bottle to me tastes like I could drink that all day. Yeah. So I don't even mess with it anymore. It's like, what do you want? You want a beer? Yeah. Bud Light in a bottle. Don't even got to think about it. It's just nothing. So Wild Trigger 101, same thing. It's it's always going to be the same quality of stuff. You can get it. Everybody has it. Yeah. Um, so I know that wherever I go, I'll be able to get a whiskey that I like or a bourbon that I like or a beer that I like um, where people are like, well, bland. It's like, okay, well, it's $60 an ounce. Well, Wall Turkey One Hundred Ones like five dollars an ounce. You know what I mean. So it's, yeah, that's one of the reasons that we look at it a little differently. A lot of people want to be like, I only drink Pappy Van Winkle, or I only drink Eagle Rare, or I only, you know, that's fine for you. You just you okay. clearly don't drink it. Well, we travel. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs>
3: and the other thing, a lot of that comes from you know spending time traveling and putting together whiskey classes for people, and you have to consider yeah. if we build. and and we update the whiskey class and that curriculum based on a whiskey that we can't get when we travel somewhere Mm -hmm. well then it's wasted so we try to center those things around uh brands and and whiskeys that we know you can you can readily get wherever
2: it is you go we also spend a lot of time with people that don't know anything about it so they're like well i don't know how to start i'm like well this is what you start with you get like old forester anything bottled and bond great start you know it's four years old it's 100 proof it's good quality stuff it's actually federally mandated this is Stored in federal warehouses. Isn't
3: that crazy? No way. Bottle and Bond was the Bottle and Bond Act was put in place by the federal government. It's actually, you know, all the things that we see today, like the standards for advertising. uh, You know, you you hear the term um, uh, name brand. Mm -hmm. That term started during the, the bourbon boom when bourbon, because there was no regulation to it, and people started to become familiar with a name
2: that was branded that was
3: branded on a barrel yeah. on a barrel so that's a name brand which name brand do you like yeah and, and then uh, the bottle and bond was put in place to help brands uh, manage the quality because th- it was the wild west yeah so people were yeah. creating distillate and then putting Tobacco spit in it to give it a brown flavor, whatever they could they'd find.
2: They'd also buy barrels from like yeah. the Old Forester. They were the first one to bottle whiskey. And the reason why they used to put them in barrels, and the barrel would get half empty. And they're like, well, we're running out. They'd dump some water in there to fill it back up, maybe some, you know, whatever. Okay. And they'd bring it okay. back up. And it looks a little off. So they'd spit in it. the right. Splatoon. You know, now, now it's the right color, but it don't taste right. Let's throw turpentine in it to give it some burn. I mean, it's killing people. Yep. And so hey, Old Forester bottled it. So that you could guarantee, if you bought a bottle of oil forster, it's guaranteed to be what they were making. And the federal government kind of compounded on that. It's yeah. like, well, now people yeah. are cheating what they're putting in their own bottles, so we're going to do a favor for the consumer, and all bottle and bond will be, we're going to watch it yep. federal level.
3: So when you buy something that's bottled and bond, you know that it was made by the, uh, distilled during the same distilling season by the same, uh, distiller. same distiller, bottled and stored in a warehouse, and that warehouse is monitored by... The federal government, yeah, uh, and it has that's to be crazy. a minimum of four years. So, because anything that's bottled and bond, while the flavor may change based on where it was aged, and uh, it, may, it may have been bottled
2: or it may have been aged longer. Yeah, yeah it does. It four years is the minimum. It right. could be eight years, and
3: depending on what the mash bill is. It, the flavor is going to be different, but you are guaranteed to get that quality because it's, because it's bottled and Bond, and you can't add flavor to it. You can't add flavor to any bourbon,
1: period. That's also So law. just me being ignorant to it, I would have thought that bottle and Bond was just like a marketing tagline, like something cool. They put, so that's a that's a legit thing it's across, a legit across thing. all brands. That
3: is a legit product. You cannot issue. put that on the
1: bottle
2: unless it was bottled in Bond, so right. it's a bonded wow. government warehouse that they store that in. Yep. It's and, crazy,
3: and, and when we do our class, we actually talk specifically about uh, marketing and labels because there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of trickery. Yep. Um, you know, every every bottle you pick up has a story, and if you yep. go to their website, you know, they're going to tell you that they were the first to do this or the yep. uh, the, the originator of that, or they invented bourbon. And it's just like everybody has the same story they they, they they claim, but you know, it's all marketing for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting well, stuff, it? man. It's it's an easy rabbit hole to go yeah. way
1: down. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure the, 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 the classes would be fascinating. Yeah. Um, Kim and I did a, we went on our, our five-year anniversary, um, to all occlusive yeah. in Antigua and we did a, a, a tequila tasting class. Yeah. Nice. And the first thing he was like, you know, you Americans, you lick the salt, you take the shot and like, that, yeah. that's not it. <laughs> like that's, you're, you're doing it all wrong. You're supposed to, you're supposed to sip tequila. Mm-hmm. And just like you are a good bourbon, you know? Mm-hmm. And yep. I, I didn't know that, yep. you know, yeah. i so what's the when you guys do a class? What's the number one uh, thing you've got to fight or battle or dispel with? Typically, drinkers? we get
2: it right out the gate. Is uh, where we'll just ask questions. I want to gauge the room, and all. And then one of the first things I ask is, where does bourbon have to be made up? And even Joe Rogan, he yeah. he says on his podcast all the time, he's like, well, Buffalo Trace. He's like, it's it's bourbon, which means it's Kentucky whiskey. Yeah, and, and that's not true. Bourbon has to be made in America. You make bourbon here in Sacramento. There are distilleries here that make bourbon and that's usually the number one thing the other one is some of the labels the way they put the label on there the words that are on it mean different things okay so a straight bourbon whiskey for instance it has to be basically this but it can be two years old And, and a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around it and it's they just use tricky words and there's there's the federal regulations on the words that they can and cannot use and they'll they'll play with it and one of them is people will put bourbon on the bottle. This was aged in a bourbon whiskey barrel. And they'll make okay. they'll make the word bourbon really big. So, so it you see out. bourbon and you're like, oh, bourbon. But and in reality, it's sugar. You know, it's, it's not.
3: It's, it's an American whiskey that they flavored.
2: They flavored and it. And it was aged in a, And so there's. There's a ways to make, to trick people. It's a lot yeah. of it's marketing. And a lot of people get sucked into these rabbit. That's the reason why Blanton's took off. Because it's, it's a single barrel and everybody knows the name and it's yeah. quality and it's Buffalo Trace. But the reality is, there's a lot of great whiskeys out there just. People don't know how to read the labels, I think, and they get scared. Yeah. And they don't want to risk buying it. What if I don't like it? It's $100, you know. Yeah. One of the biggest issues with classes is, is, and we headed
3: off really early with some of our very first classes, was people coming in with a preconceived idea about a specific yeah. brand or uh-huh. a specific, uh, you know, I don't wh- like a specific Bean. release of, of, a, of a brand. And so we, when we do our classes, we, we do everything blind. You get multiple whiskeys, but they're covered with a bag, so you can't see what it is. And then we ask people to talk about what they liked and didn't like. And all the time, we have people that will pick a $23 bottle of early times or something else over that $70 bottle of Eagle Rare. And they're, I can't, you know, we've had people get angry at us because, you know, in front of a a bunch of other people, they're like, oh yeah, it's, you know, that's gotta be. This or that, and then yeah. it turns out it's a $26 bottle. I mean, you know, like my grandpa yeah. drinks
2: that piss, and you're like, Well,
1: you did, you just
2: said that it Apparently, was the best. Yeah. Thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you're throwing yeah. out names that we drank in college when we were broke before we sold yeah, our sure. books back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling, you. You, know. I'm telling you,
3: sold books back. Ev- oh my ev- god, I ev- haven't thought about doing that. I know, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, well, do you
3: remember when? And we'll talk about things we used to do a long time when we were younger to get my man selling books back. God, I used to oh, remember, I used fun. to love when a professor would be like, By the way, you don't need your book this semester, dude. I was. Gone to first the first one in the bookstore. Next next oh. after that class is over, I was selling that book back.
1: The the day after finals when you sold your books back and had a free day, you yeah. were like literally rich and had nothing to do. That's it right. was like amazing. At least for that 24 hours. I went to the online
2: version of school, so I don't really know what you're talking about, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, My but now trip. I had a buddy, you know, he would drink all the time. He he'd go through, you know, a fifth a week, easy, you know. But he would he would do Evan Williams and early times and yeah. all those because Jack Jack Daniels was the big deal then. Yeah. You
3: know? Oh yeah. Jack the, Daniels in the freezer, make sure yeah. it's
1: fast and cold. Oh yeah. So I mean, I've seen a million bottles of Evan Williams with highlighters in them, you know, in a black. Oh, light yeah, bottle yeah. and That kind oh, of stuff. God. Yeah. That's what I think about when you say Evan Williams. I can't believe. that. Yeah. Like,
3: so there's, there's know,
1: there is Evan the Williams. Evan Williams white. It's a bottled and bond Evan Williams. So it's a white. Okay.
3: It's a it's a, it's it's a white label.
1: It's got in green letters. It says bottled and bond. No, I think it's black. Is it? I think it's a black in black letters for sure the one I remember was like kind of a knockoff of Jack Daniels because they like yeah, wanted just to the be regular regular. Black the, the black ball, label yeah.
3: with the white writing that's yeah. the regular other yeah. Yeah. Okay. and there's a significant difference between the two huge because, dip, because yes. of the extra you know guidelines they have to follow for it to be considered bottled and bond it makes a huge difference
2: that's we got amazing. way off into the whiskey stuff. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we had you on here to talk about you, and we're over here just no. Spouting. I just I, I enjoy learning new well, stuff. The, we, we we prefer we it. prefer
3: our conversation to be yeah you
1: talking it. and we yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just a just a,
3: a general bullshit session. That's what we
1: do. Yeah. yeah, it's a good time. It's the best so. way to go. No, I, I honestly I've learned more sitting down with you guys than I ever have about <laughs> well, <laughs> we appreciate or it, whiskey We'd, or anything. Put yeah. that on a label and let's ship it around. You hear that? You hear that? <laughs> yeah, man. We you should, might, uh, if you start turkey hunting, though, you might have to change the name of your podcast. You might have yeah? to be like whiskey, whiskey whitetails, and wild turkey, or somebody something pitched like us that. earlier.
2: We should do something. They wanted to do something with us, but they wanted to include women. So they're, how about whiskey, wine, and whitetails? And I'm like. Yeah, and alphabet soup and mac and whiskey wine, whitetails, Chick Fil A. You know, we just <laughs> keep adding. To yeah, it. Just, just write a paragraph and put it on a hat. What he doesn't realize
3: is that most of our customers, without yeah, any additional are profit, women. are
2: women. <laughs> yeah. Really, mm-hmm. the vast majority. Yeah. Because if you think about it, the stuff we sell is stuff that you like. Most men are hard to buy for, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff we sell is they don't have it. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's. Easy. I look
3: at my own stuff and go, "That'd be cool to have." But if I was shopping for myself, I wouldn't buy that for myself. Nah. But women will absolutely buy it as a gift, and it's. I tell you what, man, it's.
1: I think men in general just don't yeah. buy stuff for themselves. We, we have that all the time on on the art side. Uh, I had uh, some MBA students at App State did uh, like I, they took our our social following as like their senior project, and they tried to find who el- what else where they were following, and like Southern Living was the yeah. number two. Like they followed us in Southern Living because they were women. You yeah. know, and yeah. It's like I thought all my my guys were just like dipping and spitting in Mountain Dew bottles and like, (laughs) you know, killing turkeys and stuff. And you you think about that and it's like, well, if we want to advertise, we need to cater to to the women. We need to have some better photography and and all that kind of stuff. So
2: that's what our our market survey was pretty much the same thing. It was uh, the vast majority of the customer was women. Now the content that we make, the content is mostly men. Yeah. But the, yeah, for sure. The, the billfold, if you will, is, is women. Yeah but it's one of the things we just changed our thank you cards and it's like this comes with a free subscription to the whiskey and Tales podcast <laughs> they're all free but yeah but it's just kind of something silly that uh you know we think it'll be funny just in order to get you can kind of get both at once and we have patreon followers that they got our gift as a christmas gift yeah and uh they ended up following us on patreon because they just like what we're doing and they want to be part of the behind the scenes stuff yeah. and it's a lot of fun we're super able to be at seaweed and you know, getting to talk to awesome people and are super thankful you sat down with us today. And we, we should yeah. definitely yeah, if man. you're ever in town and want to do some kind of whiskey thing, we should definitely try push out.
1: We uh actually talked to Ella the other night about trying to come down and turkey hunt again and, yep. and, and getting down here. We'd so love to I do think some of the be, club, Matt can make food and Yeah, we'll do an awesome
3: we'll we'll do something like that and uh cook a stuff and we'll bring some whiskey and that'd
1: yeah. be awesome. That'd be a great time. Just let us know. To yeah, we'll wear triple snake boots. Yeah. And there you go. Carry each other on our backs. I'm gonna get some chain mail. <laughs> <laughs> chain mail. Running and gunning yeah.
3: turkeys and chain mail. Yeah. Clang, clang, clang. Well, tell wow. everybody where
1: they can find you and they can get your awesome stuff. Uh RyanKirbyArt.com and Instagram at Ryan is It's probably the best way to go. Awesome. Awesome. So, well, I thanks appreciate for your it, time. Man. Cheers. Yeah, and uh, man. thanks yeah. for
3: coming by. Good luck the rest of the weekend. And
2: uh I hope you get the rest of this painting sold and you guys. This has been really you. cool, guys. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. All right, that's it. Signing out from Seaweed. Bye, everybody.
0: You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky.